This morning, God's word comes to us from the Gospel of John, John chapter 19. We're going to begin our reading at verse 23 and then read just through verse 27 of this chapter. John 19, beginning at verse 23. What we hear now is God's word. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, in this Lenten season, This time where we prepare for the celebration of Jesus' resurrection, we are looking at Jesus' seven last words from the cross. We saw in his first word Jesus' concern for forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, that they might come to recognize and confess and know the forgiveness of God. Last time that word of promise Today you will be with me in paradise, a promise spoken to one who was uh, imminently going to die, and Jesus gave him this wonderful word of promise and assurance. Uh, This morning, we look at Jesus' third word from the cross, the word, woman, behold your son, and to John, behold your mother, a word of concern. A word of concern spoken to his mother, a word of concern for his family, but also a word of concern that, that, that encourages us. John, in his account of the crucifixion here, gives us a picture of Jesus virtually alone, dying by himself. And yet even in that desperate condition, his concern was for others. We read in verse 23, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. One of the benefits of being an executioner was the spoils you could get from those who were being killed. And they would each take their portion of the few things Jesus had left. They would take his clothing, his garments. But there was this tunic 
a tunic that was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. And they say to one another, uh, let us not tear it, but cast lots to see whose it shall be. And this was done, John tells us, in order to fulfill the Scriptures. In fulfillment of a word that had been spoken so much earlier, Jesus undergoes the crucifixion and in doing so fulfills the word of God. A picture here of, of them taking away everything he has. He is hanging on the cross, even his garments, even this tunic is taken away from him. And these are the ones of whom he said earlier, Father, forgive them. Jesus, even in this alone and desperate condition, still concerned about those around him. And then we have this contrast. Uh, four soldiers who are taking everything from Jesus and four women who are there, others standing by. Verse 25, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Not four soldiers taking everything he has, but four women, four others who were, who were there out of concern for him. And yet, these four, John lists these four, and we can't help but ask the question, where's everyone else? Where are the crowds? Where are those whom Jesus fed? Where are those whom he healed? Where are those that he raised from the dead? Where are those who had only a few days earlier as he entered Jerusalem uh, called out their feigned praise to him? John paints a picture of someone alone. Alone, dying on a cross. Where are the disciples? Those who had spent three years learning from their master. Where is Peter? The one who said, though everyone leaves you, I will never leave you. John gives us this picture of Jesus dying alone. And yet even in that, in that desperate condition, he speaks a word. A word of concern for the few. They would hear the words he would speak. A word of concern for the few who remain. They would hear his word to his mother. They would hear his word to John. Jesus concerned about the few. And what a wonderful thing that is to know. We often you know, buy into the idea that bigger is better. The more we have, the more significant the event must be. Jesus, in his crucifixion, is concerned for the few others that are around him, hearing him speak. The same is true in our church life. Uh, don't get me wrong, I would love to have a church that is filled with a thousand people. But just because that is not the case, does not mean Jesus is not concerned for us. Just because we are a, a small federation of churches, some 130 churches or so, we are not a, a grand convention of churches, doesn't mean God is not concerned. 
because we gather here as a church of 300-ish members or so, God is concerned. He has always been concerned with the few. We read from Micah, He is concerned about the remnant. His faithful few. Those who would still be near Him by the cross. These four, these four women. Yes, the four soldiers came to take away even His last remnants of clothing. But the few are there. The few are there who remain near the Lord and and he speaks a word, a word that they would hear to demonstrate his concern. Not just for the many, not just for the crowds, but for the few as well. A word of concern for the few, a word of concern for his family. Verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Jesus' mother is there, watching him be crucified on a cross. We, as parents, know how much we hurt when our children hurt. It hurts us to see them hurt. Mary was told, a sword will pierce your soul as well. We can't imagine the the, the anguish that Mary must have been going through. Seeing her son unjustly condemned, seeing him put on the cross, hanging there dying. And yet John, John's concern is not so much to tell us what Mary was thinking or feeling. No, John still focuses on Jesus, on what he was going through. We don't hear Mary speak to Jesus, but we do hear Jesus speak to Mary. Woman, behold your son. Now kids, I don't imagine that many of you refer to your mother as woman. Uh, Even us husbands don't refer to our wives as woman very often. (laughs) Why, Why this language? Why does Jesus use woman to address his mother? Even this shows his concern for her. He doesn't address her with intimate, personal language. I remember when our kids were growing up, I know it's hard to believe, but even in the minister's house, sometimes the kids disobey, and, uh, and they'd have to be disciplined. And often uh, it would fall to me uh, to provide that discipline, a uh, good, solid discipline. <laughs> and, and they knew, bend over, grab your ankles, okay, they knew that. And oftentimes, they would, they would protest. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't hit me. Don't beat me, whatever they would say. But I remember one time in particular, one time in particular, where one of my daughters needed to be disciplined. And as I was preparing to administer the dis- discipline, she said, Daddy, don't spank me. Daddy, don't spank me. That intimate term of love which makes it so much more difficult to carry through on the path 
we're going down. Jesus doesn't say mother, doesn't say mom, doesn't say mommy. But even to spare her in this time, he doesn't use that intimate address. Woman, a term of respect, a term of concern spoken in love for her. And a term that would remind her and instruct her that that she must learn to see him not just as her son. He was not hanging there as her son. He was hanging there as the son of God. This was not just her little boy being mistreated, but this was the Son of God. She needed to to see him properly, and so he uses this term of respect for her, woman, behold your son, that she might see, see him properly, not only as a son, but as a Savior. Her Savior from her sins. He speaks this word of concern to his family that she might see him properly. And today, we certainly need that same instruction to see Jesus properly. There is an emphasis today on on highlighting the humanity of Jesus. Maybe you've seen some of these commercials on TV. Uh, They were during the Super Bowl as well. He gets us. He gets us. If you haven't seen them, they're about Jesus and how he gets us when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're stressed, when we're feeling unjustly accused. He gets us. Overemphasizing the humanity of Jesus. The greatness of Jesus is not that he gets us. It's that he is not simply human. He is the Son of God who redeems us, who saves us. We we hear, even in the church, language about Jesus as our buddy. He's our pal. He's my BFF. You know, all this type of language. And and, and certainly, we have a song that we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Yes, he is a friend to sinners. But he is also the Son of God, our Savior. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. No human friend can do that. We need to see him properly, rightly, not just as someone who was unjustly accused. One more example of police brutality. He is the Son of God, the Savior of His people. He says, woman, that she might see Him properly, that we might see Him properly, not as one more criminal crucified, but as the Son of God hanging on the cross for the sake of His people. Do you see Jesus that way? To identify not only with his humanity, but to remember his divinity. That's that's what qualified him to be our Savior. He was not just one man dying. 
He was the Son of God hanging on the cross for the sins of His people. That's the Jesus we need to put our trust in. Not a a human Jesus who gets us, but a human divine Christ who came, did everything necessary to accomplish and secure our salvation. Have you put your trust in that Jesus Christ, that Son of God, seeing Him properly as God's Son, our Savior? Jesus speaks this word of concern, woman, behold your son. He speaks in concern for the few. He speaks in concern for the family. And he he speaks to show his concern for his father, his concern for God and for the law of God. Again, verse 27, he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I'm always struck by this third word from the cross. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. We have recorded for us seven words from the cross. That's all. We have seen a word of forgiveness forgiveness for those around him. We've seen a word of of promise that you would be with him in paradise. And now he speaks a word to his mother. One of the seven words, very, very personal to her. Because, because Jesus' concern was not only for his mother, but also for the word of his father. In this this third word from the cross, Jesus demonstrates his concern for the law of God, for the second table of that law. How does that second table begin, kids? Honor your father and your mother. Even in death, with Jesus' dying breath, He will honor his mother by caring for her, by making sure she will be taken care of because of his great concern for the law of God. He came to keep that law perfectly. He came to be perfectly righteous, and in that righteousness we find our hope as well. That his perfection, his absolute obedience, because of who he is, because he has chosen us in him, God sees us now as if we had been as obedient as Christ was. His concern for the law, to keep the law perfectly. He came and did what we could not do, perfectly keeping the second table of the law and perfectly keeping the first table of the law. That he demonstrate his love for God, his Father, above all. Jesus could have ended his mother's suffering. He could have come down from the cross, and her pain and her anguish would have ended. But he is concerned not only for his mother, but to do the will of his father. 
His Father who sent him to earth to to do everything necessary to accomplish salvation, including the keeping of the law. And nothing, nothing would interfere with his love for the Father and his obedience and devotion to the Father. Even, Even the pain he would see on his mother's face would not stop him from doing that which his father sent him to do. He would not let his family get in the way of his obedience. There are times in our lives where our Christianity affects our relationship with our family. Now, some of you have had the privilege, as have I, of growing up in a Christian family uh, for generations. And what a wonderful blessing that is. But for some of you, you are the first generation in your family of believers. You are the first to, to embrace the glories of Jesus Christ. And that can cause tension tension in the family, and it, 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 it can make us want to give in on some of our commitments to God the Father, our commitment to honoring His call to worship, our commitment to keeping His day holy. We must let nothing get in the way of our devotion to God the Father, even our own families. Now, we must be gracious and gentle and kind, but our devotion to God must be a wholehearted devotion above everything else. Yes, Jesus speaks this word of concern for his mother. Woman, behold your son, and to to the disciple, behold your mother. But his ultimate concern was for honoring his Father in heaven a word of concern, that he, he fulfilled that task which God had given him to do. We must never lose our zeal for putting God and his things first in our life, even when at times with our family it may cause some tension. God our Father must have first place over everything else. Jesus speaks a word of concern. A word for the few, even though he's having everything taken away from him. A word for the few, for the remnant. A word for his family and a word of concern that he keep the law of his Father in heaven. May God use this word to give us encouragement that Jesus is concerned, concerned about the few, Concerned that we know him, concerned that we embrace him, not simply as a, as a human who was crucified, but the Son of God crucified. And knowing that truth, that we give up anything rather than go against his will in any way. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for the words of your Son, Jesus Christ, for all the words that he spoke, particularly those words that he spoke on the cross. And this, this word, one of seven, a very personal word, a, a concerned word for his family. Lord God, thank you for the instruction we can receive from this. Help us, O oh God, to recognize we must always give you first place in everything that we think and say and do. 
that nothing can come in the way of our obedience. Lord God, help us to live in a way that brings glory and honor to you and brings praise to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.